on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. That's when my team actually took off. Yeah. They were not taking off because I was fixing their job. So they were not really learning. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chaz Wolf, I'm back to you this week. My guest, I'm going to attempt to say her name, but I've got a queen on the show. Again, I say this every time I bring a queen on. King, gathering the kings is not masculine. It is a mindset. And so we've got ladies who are kings in the business. We'll go ahead and call her a queen, though. We've got Alejandra Slatopolsky. I probably butchered that completely, but you know what I'm saying? This this um, queen in the business literally talks about the the structuring of her team and giving things away and how she like struggled with that and so then how it launched her into growth and so um this one is super practical all the way down to the nitty-gritty this is a doer she's a mover and a shaker uh grab that pen and paper you will not be disappointed all right everybody gathering the kings Chaz wolf i've got alejandra on the stage today welcome alejandra thank you great to be here yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's it's been really um, fun getting to know you just a couple of times off air, but you are a queen in the business. We call this Gathering the Kings. It's not a masculine or, or feminine thing. It's a mindset, but you're a queen in the business. And so tell us, tell us what you do. Well, I help organizations figure out how to go to market in an authentic and efficient way. Basically, we help small and mid-sized organizations mostly mid-sized lately, um, define what the core value proposition is, what the space in the market they should be occupying and how to get there um, in, in a very efficient and authentic way. I'm big about efficiency in terms of marketing. So that's one of the big things. Yeah, I love it. I love it. You're you're a voice uh, where where they need some direction. <laughs> exactly, and we try to make it as simple as possible too. Well, uh, I love simplicity, and I love a voice of direction. So that's why that's why you're on the show today because I'm gonna pick that brain of yours. Go ahead. We're gonna get we're gonna give the audience some uh, some some meat here today for them to be able to walk away. So um, I know I told you this off air, but you know the majority of the listeners here today are gonna be looking to build or turn their business into a seven figure business. And you've already done that. So that's why we want to kind of pick your brain along the, along the way here and see, what, see what's happened. But before we do that, at the stage that you're at now, the, the quote unquote, you know, promised land, you've made it for all intents and purposes. <laughs> for, the, for the listener, you didn't, you didn't see the eye roll. Um, a lot of seven-figure seven uh, owners do that and they feel that because it doesn't feel like we've made it. It feels like we're still on the journey. So I get that. But knowing what you know now, why do you still push? Like, why are you still here? Why are you still after it every single day? The other day, actually, I was talking to my husband and he was, look, I just want, you know, 20 million in the account. 
and then I'm not going to work anymore. And I'm going to go to the gym every day, golf and travel. What will you do? Will and you I'm do? like, I still want to work. I can't <laughs> work. Sorry. Don't want to do that. Sounds like I love traveling. I'll keep traveling, but yeah, I kind of kept my juice from, you know, strategic um, discussions with clients. I get my juice from yeah. my energy, from really picking everybody's brains and yeah. learning something new and throwing ideas at you and coming from different angles and surprising you with angles that you haven't analyzed yet. That's what, you know, at Scalto, we do that all the time. We say, we, yeah. we challenge you. You know, we're not your, we don't call ourselves an, ourselves an agency because we're not an agency. We're we're challengers. We are. Yeah. We try to really challenge your thinking on what you're doing. And I'm a big, horrible, Simon Sinek nerd, and I keep asking why. Why? Um, yeah. Because I know that behind every single organization, there is an entrepreneur that started this, and generally they have a passion. There is something that drove them to doing what they do. Yeah. And you can never tell me it's only about the money. I've always, I've always find something that will oh, yeah. say, Hey, no, there was something that was bothering me. There was something that I wanted to fix. There is something behind it. So yep. that whole, the, the conversations, the, all the exercises that we do, I, I, I love it. So yeah. what I heard you say is, you were made for more still yet, even at that stage, even at the 20 million mark, um, in the, in the cash account, it's <laughs> no, I'm not done. Why, why would I be done? Why would I roll over? Um, that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the process. Can't play golf. Like you said, your husband does or travel. <laughs> like you said, you like to, right. Um, but, but you have the, you have a burning desire, a design, if you will, inside of you that says, keep going. There's more. Yeah. And it's not, there is it's not more money. There is more to learn. There is more to challenge yeah. or to innovate. Yep. Uh, in my case, in the consulting uh, world, for me, the innovation is going to come from there. There's two aspects. First of all, that what we did that really moved the needle is the productization of your consulting process. Most consultants, most, most service-based businesses, forget to take a look at what they're doing and see how it can become scalable. And mostly it becomes scalable through productization, through standardization, right. right? Right. So that's number one. And I think that going into that process, there is so much work to do that you yeah. still want to. And then once you do that, it's about how you're going to insert technology into it. Yeah. Because most of our processes are becoming commoditized. So there is no way around that, right? Most, right. Of, our, most of our services are becoming commoditized, are becoming uh, AI-based. Or oh, there is going to be something that's going to come in terms of technology that's going to disrupt it. Right. So my vision and the way we have, you know, we have finished that. First, we have productized and standardized or consulting process to make it more efficient for us and for our clients. Yeah. Then now we are really taking a, a deep look into, okay, 
how are we going to insert technology in each of these phases? And yeah. what is that going to mean both for us and for our clients? Yeah, no, that's huge. I mean, obviously just the compartmentalization of breaking down the business like you just did and then applying different aspects to different parts of the business uh, allow for scale, the repeatability, as you mentioned. And then obviously technology is, uh, is a gasoline in many areas uh, to what's already a good process. And so love, love the angle there. I want to dive more into that, but before we do tell me about like, how did you get into business? Like what was the ink first inklings in your mind of let me make some money or hey, let me, let me do a deal, you know, something like that. No, mainly it's been like, let me do it my way. Okay. I have a very strong personality, uh, as you can see. So well, from my family, like I come from a family of entrepreneurs, uh, okay. back in Argentina, it's a very, um, I don't know. It's in my veins. Yeah. And I always knew that was going to happen at some point. Um, and then, you know, I came here to the U S started working my way up and from intern all the way to marketing director. And um, after that, I said, okay, I, I found these vendors that were working with me. And I said, they were a small um, agency. And I saw an opportunity to become a business owner there. I said, okay, maybe I can become a partner. Um, so I started working with them and really helped them and learned a lot about a small business. Mm -hmm. And uh, what happened was that, well, it never materialized. The conversations never went anywhere, which happens a lot. Yeah. So what I did, and then I was going through a personal, you know, a lot of personal issues. I was having my second baby and I did it at the worst possible time. Basically two weeks before giving birth, <laughs> I decided to launch my company. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, I had been thinking about it for five years, but I decided to do it right then. Yeah, right now, right now. Right now. So right it's now. usually the best time, right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I launched my company two weeks before and I basically had, you know, two babies at once. Yeah. Because I didn't do it halfway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Does yeah. your child know that that they're twins with the business? <laughs> he basically, yeah, I think he knows. Uh he was a handful too. So Of I course. He had, he had to really make sure you wanted that business. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, but I started, you know, very small, uh, you know, as a freelancer, basically, you know, I, I call myself a freelancer. Then I, I dared to call myself a consultant and then I dared to call myself an organization. So yeah. it was little by little, um, always a big eye on expenses. I was very, very, very conservative about, you know, just building a structure before yeah. I was ready. Um, so that's how I started. I started, uh, actually, if you were just starting your business, all I did, I remember the moment I started was, um, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go back a little bit. My first problem with launching a business was always being scared to sell. Yeah. Yeah. Being scared to going out there and telling people, I was, you know, selling something. Yeah. My husband, again, showing up here, he is a salesperson. Uh -huh. And he gave me the best one phrase advice. He said, go out there 
and look for the no's. Yeah. Once you get the no's, you get to the yes. Yep. But I was so afraid to get to the no's, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was so I went to LinkedIn and started sending messages one-on-one to each of my people in my network that I knew. And yeah. that's how my business started. And it got my first client and my second and my third. And that's how I created uh, what was called Slata, which was my agency. And um, the mistakes I made with Slata was that I didn't reinvest enough into the business. Mm. Interesting. But you said you were conservative. Why do you think that that, that was the case? That's exactly why. Ah, okay. Conservative, conservative. from the angle. Okay. That, exactly. I, I was thinking conservative, meaning like hold it in, like keep the, keep, keep the money in the baby, keep the baby growing, but right. no, no, got the it. Other okay. The other way I was like, okay, let me just keep doing what I'm doing. I spent too many years doing the work myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Until they started, okay, no, I need to hire. I need to spend more on software. I need to spend more on, you know, on a right. structure, on like more of my time on structuring the business and not on yeah. servicing the clients. Yeah, and I mean, it's all the things that 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 every six figure owner who's listening to you right now is doing. Right, they're they're doing too much themselves. <laughs> yes, and one of the main um, changes I made that really started that was I, I was again uh, listening to Sinek to one of his talks right now and it was about leadership and the, it's a very small change but it's key you work with your team they send you a document they send you a presentation for a client they you know they whatever is going to go out in the world that they are presenting to you what's your first action you edit it right you decide like you say okay no no let me fix this uh-huh. an email presentation and a, a document whatever it is what, my business truly changed the moment that i started sending documents back when the moment that i said look this is not good because one two three four five six this is not good because like, I need you to work on this, 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 this. Huh? That's when my team actually took off. Yeah. They were not taking off because I was fixing their job. So they were not really learning. Right. Yeah. And if you extrapolate that to everything in your organization, that's when your company is going to start growing. Yeah. And, and before that though, you had mentioned hiring even just like, literally having another person to do oh, a document yeah, for yeah, you. For sure. Yeah. Obviously, no. obviously that's step one. Um, but I love how you expounded that into even once you have a team, because there's guys probably and, and ladies listening right now that have a small team, uh, two, three, five, 10, 15, even where it's like, they still, to your point, are too involved in the, the, the grind or the weeds, if you will, where they need to be, they need to be in a different seat. And so that's such just authentic feedback. And I, I'm sure you've used that with your clients many times. Um, but I, I'm curious, <clears throat> like, how did you get to the decision of, I want to hire, or in this case, I want to send back the document. Cause they're kind of the same realization is that I can't do it myself. And in order to grow, I have to do something different. But like, how did you get there? What was the process of you making that decision? Do you think? Not having vacations, first of all. Amen really having to sit down on like 
I'm going to admit, I still respond to emails sometimes during vacations. I still respond to messages, but I do not sit down in front of the computer to work on a presentation. Right. So not having vacations because I actually have to work on a presentation, that's not okay. Right. Not being able to delegate a team member to actually have the sessions with my clients to actually, you know, do that. But before, yeah, before that, yeah, it was basically, okay, I, I'm a woman of all hats and we women, especially too, we tend to take it all on, all in, you know, we, you're going to do the house, you're going to do the kids, you're going to do the business and you're going to do all of the work in the business too. Yeah. The accounting and you're going to do the clients and you're going to, you know, and we just say, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Right. Right. Um, but until I learned that actually you have to, that was part of the investment into the organization to hire. That's the main thing. When you're a service based company, you have to understand, okay, it's not that you have to invest in advertising. You don't have to invest in advertising. You don't have to invest in partnerships or events. First, you have to invest in a team because that's going to get you to, you know, to do what you flow in. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I love that. And, and I think it's such a real answer there of lack of vacation or an overwhelming perspective of stress or lack of seeing kids play sports or, I mean, you, you can fill in the blank, right? Yeah. And one of the best ones also, it's an exercise that one of the coaches that I, I have, what well, my coach, my main coach have, I, when I started working with him, he gave me a very simple exercise that I love. Do two columns on a paper with a pencil and say, what are your drivers and what are your joiners every single day? What activities are filling you up with energy and which ones are just oh, are those that you like actually procrastinate on and you know what? Yeah. And you know, and and those are the ones that you have to work on delegating. Yeah. Yeah, that word procrastination um for me <clears throat> recently came up about six months or so ago in the book Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. And and he uses procrastination in there in a unique way because I, like you, super doer, like put it on the list. I'll get it done. Um, and so I don't think of myself as a procrastinator, but I also think of myself as a busy person and things get pushed down, right? Like I know how to prioritize. I know how to get tasks done. And the ones that don't need to get done right this second, they ain't getting done right this second. But what that means is that they just keep getting pushed. And so when he talked about that is actually a form of procrastination, I was like, Ooh, I didn't like that. I was a little bit offended <laughs> because I'm not a procrastinator. I'm not, I'm not waiting around, but his perspective of procrastination was a signal of, it's something that you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. It's something yeah. that be like the reason why you keep pushing is because maybe you don't feel super confident with it, or it's a task that is, should be handed off to someone in your team, or it's, it's something that you don't know much about yet. And you need to find someone else outside of your organization who knows more or whatever. It's an indicator really, which yeah. I love that. It sounds like you kind of follow the same philosophy there. And I don't want to, I don't want to make it only about you, right? So we talk about this and making the organization grow. The issue is that it's going to make your organization more efficient because when you are more efficient, when you have more energy, when you're dedicating yourself to what you're good at, yeah, your organization will be more efficient. It's just, it's not only, it's not selfish. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, because really the other side of the coin is the scarcity, right? Like if I hand this off, then 
then I have to pay someone to do it. So I, now I'm afraid that I'm spending the money when I shouldn't be, or that it's not going to be done properly or done, you know, to the best of what I could do it. Like there's just so much fear in that holding on tight. And, um, and in, what you're saying is that, look, it's actually going to produce more than you think because it puts people in the right place, even well, though you're spending money, even though maybe they're not like you, right? Exactly. And accepting that they're not going to do it like you. That's one thing too. That's huge. Then, there is one thing that also I learned on the way is to, you know, in my case, I'm, I'm a perfectionist and it's not a good thing. I was, I'm actually reading this book by Brené Brown, The Atlas of the Heart, and it's really good. It's amazing. And she talks about perfectionism and it's a really, really bad trait and that I started, I, I worked hard to let go of. And um, what I learned along the way is I always, first of all, I was talking to my partner too about this. You don't allow yourself to lose a client. That's a really bad thing. Yeah. Not allowing yourself to lose a client is one of the worst things you can do. Not saying no yep, is one 100%. of the worst things you can do. Why? Because that client that yeah. you don't want to lose is taking 80% of your time, effort, energy, emotional, everything. They're yep. taking everything you got. Yeah. So yeah. where I was going is that that perfectionism did not allow me to actually see what was out there compared to me. Yeah. Yeah. So to compare myself to the competition and say how to look at how they were doing things. Right. right? Yeah. And what was out there, because my, my specialization is in financial services, FinTech and technology. And I knew actually I always knew that nobody knew the wealth management industry the way I do, but I did not allow myself to believe in that. Yeah. So I think that letting go of all that and learning to stand on your own two feet yeah. is part of maturity too, but it's, it's really an important part of growth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, everything that you just said, yes. <laughs> I mean, it's just so good. Like I, I, I hope right now I'll just take a second to kind of recap a little bit, but the listener if they've got a keen ear, they're, they're picking up stuff right now that, that is going to serve them for years in their business because it's stuff that you and I have read and probably paid a lot of money to other people to learn. Yes. And then on top of that, we're hard headed naturally as entrepreneurs. And so you probably uh, read it and then, and then banged your head up against the wall a little bit longer before you actually tried to do these things. And so I think there's just so much life in, I mean, you, you just given so much, but, but what it comes out to is life. It's like, Hey, if you can, if you can, if you can accept that other people, number one, do things differently, that it looks different, that you're going to give it away. And it's fine. Some of that is even like, look, I learned this, this phrase, look the other way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you, you look over there and you're like, that's not exactly how I would do it. It's not perfect. That one little line or that one little whatever. And you just, you look the other way, you pretend as if you didn't even see it. Now that doesn't mean that you have a lower standard, right? Like that you don't want your product going out. That's like absolutely premium or, or right. Or in this case, you know, where I've been in the food industry, like where it, like everything has to be done properly, right? Like that's not what I mean. What I'm talking about is that person being them. Exactly. Authenticity is number one. 
But they get to be them in that moment. To um, the example that we were talking about before about giving documents back, right? Right. Sinek was talking about how he had this boss and it reminded me so much of my first boss in the U.S. That was horrible. <laughs> he, was, he was the editor. He was the owner of the company, but he was really, really... <laughs> I don't want to use the word abusive. That's but probably part of the problem. He was an owner manager and not an owner. Exactly. But he was also the editor and he would, Sinek was using the same example. I reminded me of him that he would write something and he would give it back to you with red notes. So you would go back and, and fix it, right? Yeah. But then he would put red notes again and you would fix it again until a, a point in which you do not yeah, we're actually care. Because yep. you're just executing what they're doing, what they're saying. Yep. So that's, he should have just done it himself. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and that crushes the team. Yeah. hundred percent. They don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. and you no, want them to be authentic and to bring their input too. Yeah. For me, the biggest thing I ask them all the time is, you know, just tell me how we can do it better. Tell me where I failed. Yeah. Tell me, what are we doing? And you gotta I be know, ready for the answer on that one, though, right? Yeah, of course. Because they'll give it to you if you really ask. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, and and be ready to grow and change and admit yeah. that you're not perfect. Yep, that's I love that. with the team. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> just a re recap here for the for the listener. So, in essence, we've we've talked about the fact that you got to get out of your own way. You have to hire people, otherwise, you're just a solopreneur. It's a hobby. It's not even real business. That probably just offended a bunch of people, but I'm not sorry. Okay. Then as you have a team, as you're looking to hire, you have to treat them as a team, right? So you have to be able to actually give them things. And then what we've talked about is that when you give them tasks or a job description and you're raising them up to be who they are, that looks like sometimes you as the leader, what I say, looking the other way, but you saying, Hey, look, like I'm going to empower this individual to make it look like them. Like I need them to take ownership and there's zero chance they're going to take ownership inside of your uh, consulting business or on someone's um, general contracting business. There's no way that that, that person's going to take ownership of their individual role. If you keep coming back with the red lines constantly, red line, red line, red line, red line, red line, right? They're going to get burnt and then off they go. And probably to go do their own thing, because if you had just given them a little bit of autonomy, a little bit of personality, a little bit of room to be themselves, they'd probably still be performing on your team. Exactly. Yes. And also, you know, I was reading the other day about an article about, uh, I, I don't know if I believe him, but at the same time, they make a point. There's one thing, you know, you have to choose to be a leader. You have to choose to be, uh, you have to choose that role and like it. Yeah. You don't like guiding people. If you don't like, like, it's like raising kids. <laughs> you have to sort of like it in a way or want it. If you yeah. don't want it, establish an, a, a process in your organization by which other people are leading the team and you're doing what you're good at. You know, yeah. those two columns they apply to leading people too. And it's very important for you. I, I've been under, under bosses that you could tell they loved guiding me, 
yeah. and others that hated being a manager. Yeah. Yep. And you can really tell the difference. And you could, I, I remember being a much better team player with, of course, which boss, right? Yeah, exactly. And so you have to be very authentic and say, hey, I am good at leading people or I'm not. Right. And if you're not good at leading people, which not everybody is, because this, it's impossible to be, like, they don't choose it. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, then give it to someone else because your business is not going to grow. If yeah. Well, your people deserve it is essence what you're saying. Your people deserve to be led and to be poured into and all the things that a leader does. And so number one, really the owner needs to buck up and do it right. Take a leadership course, read a book, you know, go to a Tony Robbins seminar. I don't know, but you got to figure <laughs> it out. Right. And then eventually you're going to have other people on your team that probably are better than you. And, and you raise them up to be, to be, to be leaders um, as well. So such, such great stuff here. I want to transition. I got one last question. We've talked a lot about decisions. We've talked about not maybe specific, a good or bad, but you've talked about hiring being good and, and getting in your own way being bad, but do you have a process or any sort of a discipline in your life and or business around making decisions? Like how do you continue to win with your decisions? Well, I, first of all, let's be honest. You don't win with every decision. <laughs> Good perspective. Yes. Second, uh, we established, we started using um, about a year and a half ago EOS, which is an entrepreneurial organization system. Yep. And that one, it gives me a very good framework. It gives us a common language. Yep. It gives us a very simple framework because every other one that I've seen, you know, you get the books and it's like, okay, I have to take a Harvard course just to, you know, understand. Right. Um, yeah. But EOS, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of simplicity in general. And it really helped me structure how we view and analyze the business yeah. and how we manage it day to day. Yeah. Um, so, that's the main tool we use for decisions. We, we take a look at it. We manage the whole business. And then uh, I think that big decisions happen every, like are done by every small decision every day because we get together in a strategic session and you say, okay, this is the path forward and this is what we're doing and we're convinced. Right. But if it doesn't happen in the day to day, I always say, okay, let's remind ourselves or question ourselves. Because if Good. it didn't happen, there has to be a reason behind it. We yeah. either lost sight or we truly did not see the genuine value in it. Exactly. Yeah, get, say that again. Remind ourselves or... Question it or question, question it. <clears throat> yeah. Why did we do it? We either need to cut it or we need to remember to press in if we didn't execute it for sure because generally that's right. what happens you get together you say okay this is our greatest plan this is what we want to do yeah. and then many times you go back to a day-to-day -day and you're like it's so true every business owner ever who's made a business plan it totally okay. felt what you just said because they spent all this time even if it was just a day or two putting together their thoughts and here's where we're going to go and here's my marketing plan and and here's a, the team i'm going to build and then you know two years later they look up and they're like I don't even know where that is. What closet, what drawer is that in? You know, <laughs> um, that's why EOS is so good. 
I don't get any money from EIS, okay? But I just <laughs> no, you're good. You're not the first person I've had that uh, has been on the show. I'm super familiar with EOS as well. Rocket Fuel is a fantastic book. Um, it, it really does help uh, break down a lot of the things that you've you've mentioned. So, um, okay, Alejandro, you ready for the speed round? Okay. Perfect. Um, one word answers if you can, but I'm notorious for digging in for more uh, after your one word answer. So don't be surprised. Um, but the first question is this. If you could only track one metric in your business, only one forever and ever and ever going forward, what metric would it be? Just energy. Energy. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's, a, that's, a, that's an abstract answer. So I got to dig in. What does that mean to you? How would you track it? So energy levels, what do you, I don't know how I would track it. You said, yeah, I, I'm in fantasy world right now. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> okay, so energy, <laughs> like energy of your team, energy of you, both? Everybody. 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 Yeah, so if I can expand on it, it would be energy. Actually, what we were talking just before hitting record. Okay. Energy and time frames during the day, so that everybody knows who's at their best in which time, and that it's yeah. not pressing for more when they are not ready. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I used to have I, one of my first employees. Actually, I, I've always been remote. My, my 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 team is all over the world. Yeah. And, um, one of my first employees, she was great, but some days at first she would disappear, like the whole day. Oh. So she had this phase in which she loved working at night. And I would wake up the next day and everything was done. But then during the day, I hadn't seen anything. I was going nuts. For <laughs> and I'm like, wait, she's working yeah. at night. She loves working at night. Great. Exactly. Then I'll get that way and that's it. And then so that I, way expectations are right. But, but you allow her to be her. Exactly. And then, so it's, it's about allowing everybody to be themselves at their best in the time that they need to. Yeah. I love that. I think, I think, um, you know, fortunately and unfortunately for a lot of people, uh, COVID forced a lot of companies into that remote being one of those pieces, but you know, to your point exactly right here, like for any, any big company out there that has just like bought this, you know, office or remote thing. And to me, it's like such a simple answer because you as an employer were able to literally meet her where she needed you to it doesn't mean that she wasn't doing the job. It doesn't mean she wasn't meeting expectations. It doesn't mean she was a great team player. In fact, she was all of those things, just different than naturally how you had envisioned. And man, if you can align on that with an employee um, that wants to build with you in your company, there's nothing greater than having that. But then you've met her. And so now she feels appreciated and she feels like she can be who she is. And, and she's got flexibility in her life because during the day she likes to I don't know, take a siesta, take a, I don't know, like <laughs> whatever she wants to do during the day, you know? <laughs> but that's, you know, that was 80 years ago. So I was, you know, I was weird. Yeah. Uh, it's still weird technically today, even I would say it's, it's still this foreign yeah. thing. And so I, I'd love to hear that you say that. But you, and you, because you have to change your mindset in terms of how you provide the services too. Like we reflected all of that in Scalto in terms of deliverables. All of our business structure is about deliverables, even with yeah. team members. It's yeah. not about hours. It's not about anything else other than deliverables. And our clients know that too, even our proposals, in our workflow, in everything is about deliverable. It doesn't matter when, how, or it, well, the what, yes. But yeah. when or how you do it is really like the date, you know, is it on, on time? And is it what you, what you committed to do? Right. 
That's it. And it either is or it isn't. It makes it super simple. <clears throat> We've, that word keeps coming up in this conversation. Yeah. All right. Next speed round question for Alejandro. What book would you recommend that a six-figure owner read who's trying to get to the seven-figure mark? Uh, oh, I'm going to be super cliche, but start with why is my all-time favorite. Wait, no, but the other one that I mentioned, The Atlas yeah. of the Heart. Okay. Why? Because I am a true believer that emotional intelligence is what gets you to the next phase. Yeah, there's so much around that. Um, and so for the listener, I want to just give like 10, 10 seconds here. Um, <clears throat> emotional intelligence, meaning situational awareness, meaning understanding of personality, meaning putting those things together, understanding things when no one else does. Like it, it, it almost feels like a superpower, really. Um, and some people have it more naturally than others, but what she's referring to is your ability to think outside your own darn self. So you got to be aware of what's going on situationally around you and other people. And that delineates down into personalities and time of the day and where you physically are located, who's around you, who's making decisions around you. Like if you can calculate all these things together, that, that EQ for that moment is it makes you a decision maker above the rest or then an action taker because of your decision-making. But anything else you'd like to add to that? I mean, EQ is so big. Well, emotional intelligence, you said it in the way that I view it. Okay. So I view it in two ways, three. I view it as being able to connect with where the other one is coming from. Yeah. But equally important is being able to connect to where you are coming from. Yeah. I love that. So if you don't know where, you know, that anger is coming from when you're in that call, or if you don't know why you're feeling so, you know, so tired, or yep. if you don't know where, you know, your emotions are coming from, or what your strength is in terms of your emotional flow. Yeah. It's, it's much, much harder to, ne- to, to, to connect and to get to the next phase. That's why this uh, Atlas of Her Heart, I love it because it's really explaining in very simple terms what emotions mean and what you can do with each of them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Great breakdown. Um, okay. Do you intentionally mastermind or network with other entrepreneurs? Of course. I network all the time. Um, I always say I hate networking events. Always hate, always hated them. Yeah. Uh, I always felt like that fish out of bond. I don't know. I mean, things. you're an introvert, right? I mean, we both are. Yeah. yeah. Right? So that I, that's like uh, the wrong fishbowl to your point. <laughs> exactly. So my strategy was first to go with a friend that he's, you know, there's always that friend that you have that he's, you know, amazing at networking. And he's like, oh, let me introduce you to this. And let me introduce you to that. So if uh-huh. you have to do it, go and do it that way. Yeah. And then the other way to do it is um, I started my podcast, which I love. So that's one way to actually network. Yeah, and 100%. the other way is lunch club. Yeah. Uh, because it's in a one-on-one and that's, it's just easier for me to just, you know, connect yeah. on a one-on-one than in a big room. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, that perspective of the one-on-one also just the fact that you're an introvert as well. There's a lot of introverted business owners and <clears throat> that doesn't mean that you, you shouldn't like you should use it as an excuse, which I, I know you didn't either, but many times I've walked into a room feeling that exact same way going, okay, here we go. You know? And, and what I tend to do is just 
play more of the like, okay, now, now I'm just in my mind, that guy who you said, okay, I got to introduce you to this bike. I got to do this guy, this gal. And I just like play that role in my mind more than anything, because <laughs> on, on the inside, I'm like, I really don't want to be here. It's not that I don't like people, but you know, being by myself would be just as equally fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just that I actually like parties. I like talking to people. It's just that process of introducing yourself once yeah. and then not being like, it doesn't seem genuine. Authentic. Exactly. Yeah. And it, yeah, yeah. Like lately I've found more, but honestly also what happened in my years, I've been in financial services and going into a cocktail party. It's like 98% male. Yeah. So yeah. that's also intimidating because you're like, you never know, you know, what type of perceptions they're going to get. Uh-huh. It's hard. Yep. So yeah, that those were my two tools. Now I, I do it more, but I try not to make it so salesy too. try to enjoy yeah. it. Exactly. No, I think that that's, that's really the key to even the emotional intelligence piece of networking is to enjoy yourself and to do the things that bring you, bring your happiness in there. Um, cause obviously rubbing shoulders with other entrepreneurs, <clears throat> uh, is, is how you grow personally. And obviously as you grow your business, cause you meet people who become clients. Yeah. So, um, okay. Last question. Are you ready? Yes. If you lost it all today, there was no more finance tech clients who needed your help. <laughs> what would you do? I would what start would all over again. You'd start over again. You do it all over again. I love it. But why? And question it. Because I would question it again. I would say, like, why did I do? Like, what happened? Where is it? Like, where is it that I should be adjusting? Like, yeah. The most fun is just questioning it. That's the most fun to me. Like, okay, where, like, what are we doing? Are we doing it right? Are we doing it wrong? And why? Yeah. Um, Yeah. You get another answer every time you ask that. Um, And because you can ask that why question as many times as you want. Yeah. That's the beauty of uh, yeah. being a three-year-old. <laughs> why? And why? Not, very, exactly. The why, 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 why? I always do that. Like, and some clients have actually gone annoyed. They're like, yeah. you're asking what you're going. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm asking it on purpose. I can tell you that much. So why don't you jump on the bandwagon here and let's figure out your why? Because I'm not leaving until we do. How about that? <laughs> well, we, well, we actually once. I got to, you know, at least five or six whys. Then I, then I ask, okay, what makes you angry? And that really takes you to the answer. That uh-huh. take you to the answer. Interesting. Why anger the first, like the, the emotion that you first go to? Because the anger is what frustrates you. And generally yeah. frustration is what actually, what you think you're solving. There's something that you're solving in the world that frustrates you. So that's why I start with the anger. So good. So good. Okay. Uh, Alejandra, how can someone connect with you if they have just gotten uh, their cup filled today and they want to, they want to find you? Well, I'm on social media as Ale Slata, S-L-A-T-A, or really I'm the only Alejandra Slatapolsky in the world for now. <laughs> when you Google me, I'm everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wasn't going to try to say your last name at the beginning. I'll say, uh, you know, the intro will have your name, all that fun stuff, but I was just going to fall on my face. So, um, Alejandra was, 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 was my, <laughs> was my best bet. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Um, 
I love it. Okay. Um, you've been an incredible blessing to us here today. Thank you for breaking things down and, and your perspective. I'm, I walked away with some notes today. Um, so I know that our, our, our audience should be, cause at, at my level, if I walked away with a couple of things, I know that they did. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. We wish you nothing but the best in all that you have going on. And maybe one day your hubby will, uh, play some more golf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be traveling for sure. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Well, we appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.